from worlds beyond to write at the gaming table. These are all my fantasy children. Welcome all to All My Fantasy Children. My name is Aaron Catano Saez. And my name is Jeff Stormer. And this is a character creation, storytelling, uh, world building podcast where each week we take a listener prompt from someone just like you. And Jeff, what happens? Uh, what we do every week <laughs> is we take a listener prompt and we put it on, um, we set it on the ground. And then we launch a satellite into space. Ooh. And on that satellite is a Large Hadron Collider. No. We fire that Large Hadron. We fire a beam of energy at the character prompt from space. <laughs> Best case scenario, we come up with a wonderful role-playing game character. Worst case scenario, it opens a rift between universes, and suddenly there's chaos and Cloverfield monsters. It's a whole thing. Okay, I haven't seen the Cloverfield show. So what I'm thinking is we shoot a beam of energy, right? It causes yeah. a rift. And every time, though, we just keep getting super lucky and like a really great character oh, yeah. falls out. Uh, we've had a string of spectacular luck. Like it has been remarkably lucky. Every time we do it, there is probably even odds that we're going to tear a hole in the cosmos and, and giant monsters come out. Or we're going to collaboratively come up with a tabletop character. You know, we roll those dice every single week for you. We roll the dice for you. This is a, hi guys, this is a collaborative gambling podcast where each week we roll the dice. That's it. We play craps yeah. in a back alley. We do. We we, we, we do. We've recently joined the uh, Rolling Bones Network. Oh, yeah. I'm really, right now I'm rocking my Rolling Bones Network t-shirt sponsored by Boost. And, you know, we just talk about gambling. You know, classic, <laughs> classic. Specifically, I am actually on a very nice river, uh, a gambling riverboat. We're we're lazing down. We're lazing down the Mississippi River. You know, I have I've just played some blackjack. I did not do well, but I'm just really taking in the beautiful sights and sounds of uh, that America has to offer. You know, we're just we're rolling down a river. It's 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 a. It really reminds you of your place in the universe. You know, seeing the beauty of the river and the. The lights of the cities on both sides. It really just makes you feel at one with everything. Do we have a prompt this week, Aaron? Hold on, Jeff. I haven't told you what I'm doing on this riverboat. I am taking individual feathers and gluing them to a beautiful corset in preparation for my performance this evening on the riverboat gambling show. <laughs> do we have a prompt this week, Aaron? <laughs> Fuck! Yes, we do. Damn it. I wanted to make a riverboat gambling costume joke. But yes, we have a prompt this week. Prompt this week comes to us from our prompt submission form, and the prompt is, From the monster among men comes an ancient AI war machine entombed in the center of a mountain. I love it. I dig it. I think it's a good prompt. So, Jeff, I have an initial thought, and it's because in the greatest city in the world, in my opinion, and I'm sure in yours, Philadelphia, in the- Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, baby. Woo! In the Franklin Institute- there is an exhibit currently going on that I I, I uh, noticed people talking about, and it's the Terracotta Soldiers. And mm -hmm, so for mm -hmm. everybody who's not familiar, uh, like 2,000 years ago, there was like a soldier who eventually like united the seven warring kingdoms and formed China. And the name – the first emperor was Qing Shu Huangdi. So when, uh, when the emperor died, in his tomb – 
uh, they eventually, like, farmers were digging a well, and on this burial site, they found 8,000 terracotta soldiers. None of them are the same. You know, there's, like, archers, there's foot soldiers, there's horses. It's it's crazy, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So that got me thinking when I saw this prompt, is it one AI, or is it one consciousness spread out among AI? Spread out among, I- like, vessels. I am always extremely pro one consciousness spread out over X amount of, of uh, machine bodies. Okay. So that's that's pretty – that's good. So I'm thinking, of course, it's in Geode. That's for me. So I'm thinking somewhere in a mountain. Um, is, do you want to Do you want to get how it's unearthed? Do you want to get there? I think our character that we introduce will be the person who, what, finds it or creates it. I don't see why we can't do both. All right. We'll get, we'll, 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 I mean, we're going to flesh out the story around it. We'll figure out who finds it, who built it, et cetera, et cetera, so on and so forth. All right. Awesome. I wanted to introduce that concept of like somewhere in Geode are, we'll say, we'll say, fuck it, 8,000, uh, like AI, are they soldiers or are they just, you know, all purpose? I think some are, some are soldiers, some are workers, et cetera. You know, there are a, a ton of different bodies that all have one robotic consciousness i dig it all right so our character i figured we'd start out with uh with our good friend table fables by madeline hale available on amazon um jeff can you give me real quick for pronouns uh d6 i sure can Pop off the lid of this bunch of d6s that i bought that i can't quite get out because it's a brick got one uh they all right so they, and I want you to give me 1d8 for what culture they are. All right. I got an eight. All right. So they are a dwarf. Wow. You're old dwarf. All right. All right. Sick. I like it. Now, uh, there's no d12, but Madeline Hill's Table Fable has a player class. Wait, there is a, is there a d12? Yes. Oh, there is? Yeah. What? Which one is that? Yeah. The one that has 12 sides. What? And you always say that, but I have a d10. I have a. I see it. I found it. It's literally in front of my fucking face. All right. Just. I'm. Can I roll this shame dice real quick? Yes, please roll the shame dice and tell me how much shame you have. Okay. I have. Oh, I have six shame, which makes them a monk. All right. So we never ha- have. We've had one monk before. We had patch. We had a uh, what? Doctor. We had Doc Scruff. Yep. So let's talk about yep, what yep, yep. a monk is, because we've never had one. We've never really, like, talked about it, because, you know, we have uh, unique classes on All My Fantasy right. Children. sure, sure, sure. So it's someone who, what, just, like, makes their body into a weapon, yes? Or do you want to hmm. change that up? Do you have any original thoughts about monks? Hmm. Because it's a monk is basically, like, someone who's just, like, super jacked and knows martial arts, which, like... Basically. Yeah, like, which to me is, like, that's great, but there's nothing, like fancy about it i want something fancy man i want that fancy magical class you know what i mean mm-hmm, like our, mm-hmm. necro- our necromancer is so special so and our paladin is so special so a monk in fantasy what are things about monk that you like let's start there i like the i do like the um like power from within thing let me pitch you let me pitch you something because i have kind of um a i have an out there idea okay i'm i'm all about it Dungeons and Dragons, the monk is very based on, like, Tibetan monks. Yeah. Martial arts, wuja films, etc., etc. Okay. 
There's another iteration of Monk that I think we could integrate. Okay. Which is the Friar Tuck uh, persuasion. What, like an actual monk? Like someone who worships something in like, uh, you know, in like what a I'm thinking, monastery? What I'm thinking is what if it is based, what if it is a, a form of magic that is based not on a super powerful belief, but simply in, I want to say ritual, but like that's not quite. It's adherent, rather than, like, perform... Okay, yeah, I know how to describe it. Rather than performative ritual, yeah, it is based on, like, adherent ritual. So it's doing one thing until you until you can do that one thing to such an incredible degree that you are able to, like, do it to a magical ability. Okay, give me something specific. So, um, monks... One of the monks that I have in mind is uh, Monk's Cafe in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, because of maybe my favorite beer, Monk's Cafe uh, Flemish Brown Sour. Oh, that's it's very delicious. good. Yeah, that stuff's good. Imagine you were a brewer. Imagine, like, you were brewing beer. You you get up, you know, you check you check on the kegs, you check on the levels, you check on the, you check every step of that process. You know, you you go to the same shop and pick, look at hops, the same, the same shore, the same order every day. You do that ritual to such a degree that it simply becomes second nature. You do that nature, you do that, you embrace that second nature to such a degree that suddenly you are able to like hold a hop in your hand and be like, oh, well, I can, like, I can reach out and see the person that made this. Like, I have, a, like, a, like, and you can make beer that is magic. Or imagine like you are doing, you are training, you're, you are training in martial arts and you train, you know, X amount every day and eventually you are able to like punch through time. It's like doing something to where you're not just good at it, you're magically exceptional. I, okay, so basically what you're, what you're telling me, so I can sum it up for my brain, is that you, you're basically an artisan of anything. Of you, yes. you pick a thing that you're passionate about, that calls to you, that you love doing, and you are so skilled at it through repetition, through perfect attempting to perfect this and attempting to be great at it and just out of a respect for it like you know if i were to like singing every day you know if you were to sing eventually what something inside of you you know is there a i think okay in similar to D monk then in training uh once you hit a certain point i think the the artisanship meets your like latent magical ability and the two mm. meet and that's where like something comes out and that's what you're striving for yeah it's you're striving for like this pure perfection where you are you literally are your art ooh i dig it so you brew you brew and you're getting so good at it and you know and you're making beer for you know it can take decades it could take hours depending on the person until your magical energy and your passion for this kind of like swirl into one beautiful entity and then you are able to combine the two together yes i think that's when we're always saying like oh you know uh sprouts using magic to grow plants or like brew albertson's using magic to make potions are they then like some it is a sort of it is a sort of monk yeah i think there yes i think there's a a monk craft to that or a yeah i think it's you know, and, and but I think that a, a, a yes, I would say yes. I think it is sort of that like, and we have a, a like you said, we have a fair number of those. I think that we could classify as monks, in that they have in that they have practiced something until they can achieve like a higher level of understanding that art form. 
Okay, cool. And then you are able to do it magically. And it's different than applying magic to a practice. They are one and the same. It's like yeah. the very essence of what you're doing is magic. It's pretty much like would make a bard. If you're singing magical songs, you know, you are essentially a monk who is using magical song weaving. Like you are right. singing a song that is pure magic. You're not applying magic to a song. Right. That is sick. Oh, wait, I'm very happy with that. Okay, so this monk. Okay, so what is their name? We have a dwarven monk, and we don't know their profession yet. Let me ask you this. What was their first word? You know, we have a thing with dwarves in fantasy. The first word you say is the thing that you are going to do for the rest of your life. It is in some way magic, you know, whether nature, nurture, culture, or magic. The first word that you say is intrinsically tied to the thing that you find yourself, like, drawn to do for the rest of your life. So what was their first word? Hmm. Because I know this can steer the rest of the episode. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think, I think in the spirit of this quest for a tomb, maybe unearth. Unearth. Yeah, maybe? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So does that drive this dwarf's entire life? I think so. Uh, I'm going to pitch you a name. Their name is Dig New Earth. Dig New Earth. I love that. Their name is Dig. Um, and so, wow. Okay. Because I think there's a cultural thing that I've been thinking about with dwarves. Yeah. Which I want to talk a little, I want to pitch to you. Yeah, we never really talk a lot about Geode, and I'd love to love to hit them hard on this episode. Because we, we, we do this with dwarves where we come up with our first word, we come up with their name, it kind of reflects that. What if it goes a step further? Okay. Thinking about family structure in Geode. What if the family structure in Geode was, you know, uh, a dwarven child says their first word and then essentially is adopted by someone with that particular skill, like oh. passion and skill set. Oh who, like, my is, God. And like they are raised by, they are raised by a person that has that unique our abilities already. So they're basically raised in an apprenticeship from birth and like a loving, you know, a family that understands and will cherish and, and build the gift that you are magically inclined towards. Yes. I, I like the idea that it's not the assumption of like, it's not giving away. Like, you know what I mean? It's not someone right, no. giving up a child. It's more of like, all right, this is the path that you have set yourself on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the community, of course, is always involved in this person's life. But yeah, it's more sure. of like their fate is tied to, like in this case, uh, to digging, to unearthing. To unearthing. Yes. Yeah. Their, their fate is tied to that. And maybe if they don't have that skill set, it's like, then I will bring you to someone who does. And... So is it just you get you get brought to someone with a similar name? I think you get brought to someone with a similar set of skills. Or are there a set of is there are there guilds as there are tend to be in like dwarven fantasy? I could get down with guilds or like uh yeah, or even just like big lists, you know, like yeah, yellow yeah, pages yeah. of people and people who do things and are skilled at certain things and you find a person that is connected to that. I like the fact that dwarves have yellow pages and I will make this canon because it's it's not the best, but how you find out is like, all right, you're you said dig, let me flip through. Ah, the Unearth Corporation, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing and you link up with a group. Yeah, you find you find the per- the group who finds the person that is like right that is right for this this uh, this relationship. They find the person that connects with the child. 
and is like, okay, I am, I am an archaeologist. I like this child, you know, I feel a connection with this child. I am an archaeologist. I can raise them to cap, to capture the destiny that they have in their heart. I dig it. All right. So, wow. So, uh, what is it? Dig Unearth? What was it? Dig? Dig New Earth. Dig Dig New New Earth, Earth. which is very good. Uh, so Dig New Earth as a child, uh, is born to a family, you know, is, uh, are we talking Dig New Earth older? Yes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've been raised by archaeologists? I think so. They are, uh, maybe even like, maybe even stonemasons or something, but, but like, they are raised with a skill set that, that guides them, you know, they're like, well, I'm not quite, I don't quite fit in with stonemasonry, but like, the, the thing of digging something out, you know, they're able to like, grow that skill set, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I don't, I, I, I've always wanted with Geo to stay away from like, oh, the, the dwarves just dig all day and they're always digging for jewels and stuff. So I think that this is, maybe this is like newish territory for dwarves where like the idea of mining and the idea of digging and uncovering, this is sort of unique. Like there are archaeologists who preserve like things that are found, but the idea of maybe smashing through the mountain, this is dig new earth's like territory. Sure. They have pioneered the art of, like, not just digging, but dig... They've pioneered the art of not just digging, but ec- digging as exploration. I dig... I, oh, I dig it. God, it's so pathetic, Aaron. Um, so, what I will say, then, that if someone is digging, like, someone wants to know... That means there's mystery to Geode. That means it's this mountain that's, like, I would say, like, the size of Earth. You know what I mean? It's huge. Mm-hmm. Sure. And there are places that are not... Because vis- how I see the structure of Geode in my head is, like... If you would think of a mountain as like a pyramid, that it just goes down in layers. Like there's an arts layer, there's a science layer, there's a fashion layer. You know what I mean? And like yeah, it's kind sure. of like burrows in a city. But that definitely means there are pockets of it that are undiscovered and unknown. And I think that is linked to some. What can that be linked to? Is it fear? Are people afraid to dig in certain areas because of legends or is it because you know what I mean how like that kind of fear of the unknown and discovery like why has no one done this yet I'm gonna pitch you an idea yes comfort okay people don't dig for the same reason that you that you know we both live in the city yeah there are neighborhoods in each of our respective cities that we've never been to there are parts of Philadelphia I have never I have never seen with my own two eyes why because haven't haven't had a reason to haven't felt like walking through that part of the city just never got the opportunity i might one day but i am pretty comfortable with the spots in the city that i go to i have my bars i have my restaurants i have my shops so what if it is just like you don't they don't go digging you know you don't go digging into a new part of the mountain because it's like why would I? Like, this is where I live. I'm not going to try to, like, carve into a mountain to find a new place to live. I've got an apartment. I dig it. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and say that halflings, we said, are wanderers. Halflings explore. Maybe Geodians, maybe dwarves, like, true dwarves in, like, a culture is like, no, you stay where you are. Hang out. Because you said that Geode has everything you could ever need, right? Machine mm-hmm, God has literally mm-hmm. given you everything. Like, it's baller. You got no reason yep. to really leave. So people don't. It's like, if I had everything I could ever need within, like, a block, where the fuck would I ever go anywhere else? I think that hunger to, like, wander and explore isn't in a lot of dwarves, and I think that's where Dig New Earth comes in. 
where sure, it, I buy that. Where it's like it's it's not like uh, let's go ahead and say that dwarven archaeology is like things that are it's not so much like digging and looking it's more of like preserving what's already been found by others you know there's stuff from the past sure. and there's things and like oh it's more of like uh curating a museum where like we don't add new things to it we just preserve what's already in the museum for people sure. to see I'll buy that. and dig new earth is like uh but what if like there's right there there's a whole area of the mountain like you know if you put your hand on it and you knock, like, it's hollow. There's a cave in there. Like, we should explore that. Everyone's like, oh, wow, that's bold. That is, is it, I, I guess if you want. But I mean, in terms of, like, an exciting story, what is it that makes Dig, like, why hasn't Dig just done it? Or does Dig just do it? I think Dig just does it. I think Dig Dig sees an opportunity and sees no one pursuing something and says, all right, this is... This is what I was made for, so I'm going to knock down this wall and probably burns a few bridges in doing it. You know, people aren't terribly happy about it, but they find a whole fucking cave. Okay. And they find things that are not even dwarven in origin. They're just stuff that was in the mountain. Okay. That is very interesting. That is a lot. And that is a lot to think about. Because, so what you're, okay. So big picture stuff. So let's let's set up this scene. Let's condense this a tiny bit. Dig okay. New Earth is, for all intents and purposes, an archaeologist, yes? Or explorer. Right. An explorer, I think. So Dig New Earth has a passion for finding out what else is in the mountain. So undiscovering yeah. mysteries, yes? Unearthing mysteries, yeah. What? Is there something that happened to them young? Something that happened to them at any point in their life that inspired this search? Did they see something? Like, is if I were the first person to see Bigfoot, I'd be like, no, there's something in those woods. Is it something like that? Where something inspired them? I think absolute, I think it's absolutely something like that. And I think what it is, is that they found, they, they found something on a dig. You know, they, they dug something up without realizing that they were digging something up and found, was like, this is, this is a magical object. It's like a ruby that pulsates with energy, and if you squeeze it, like, it, I don't know, it tells you your fortune. Or you squeeze it, and it, like, tells you a fun fact. <laughs> okay. So, it's just like, like a, it. It's a trivia gem. That's it. Okay, so, uh, so Dig finds the trivia gem, right? As a, as a child, you think? Yeah, so Dig, I like that. Dig has kept the- Or an adolescent, yeah. somewhere, you know, in their youth. Yeah, in their youth, they had a trivia gem, found it. It's a, it's really, like, their most treasured thing, because I think dwarven, as we said, like, dwarves use crystals in, like, everyday life, yes? Sure, yep. So they use them for, like, casting spells or healing and, you know, keeping maybe the lights on, you know, because it's basically just condensed magical energy. So- I think maybe there is a catalog of, like, all the things that crystals can be. And this one, what, tells you just a trivia fact? It's just, it's that simple? Because I'm trying to think of, like, why it's special to dig and why it inspires the exploration. I think what makes it special is, is yeah, it's kind of dumb and pointless. It's just literally you squeeze it and it's like, a group of crows is called a murder. Huh. <laughs> Didn't know that. But, like, what makes it special is that it's not categorized in any catalog of, like, dwarven crystals. This is a thing that is not a dwarven crystal in, in 
design or an origin. This is a new thing oh, that was buried in the mountain. Can I tell you a fact about it? Yeah. It doesn't speak the same language as Dig. I think that might have what but inspired this. I think it's because I'm trying to think of finding something new and like something that's not dwarven. Is it a language barrier or is it something like that? Or is it just a material that is unknown? I kind of think I kind I like the language barrier, but I also like it just being an unknown material and it being like, okay, if we don't have everything categorized in the mountain, oh, what else is out there? I've got it. Okay. So Dig one day is digging along you know, as, as a kid, just like, you know, digging in like a yard, a Geodian yard, whatever that looks like, and uncovers a small box. They push the button that's on it, and it's like, this is strange, and it relays a fun fact to them, is, you know, tells them, uh, the heart beats a billion times a second. I don't know, something, something ridiculous. And Dig is like, wait a minute, this box is powered by a crystal. That's the thing. I'm trying to think of just some, this is, I feel like this is just going nowhere, because I'm just trying to figure, I can't figure out anything of why, why, what inspires them to go out? Is it like they just find a crystal that talks, you know, or is it like technology that is unknown to them? That's, that's what I think it is, is they find a thing. Imagine if you found a piece of a UFO. Oh, fuck. It's not, it's not an impressive part of a UFO. It's literally like, like, imagine you found a box that if you pushed it, it, a fun fact, you brought it to a scientist who was like, uh, the wiring in this is not human. Like, this is not a human, this is not a device that was made, this was a device that was made by aliens. And, like, it's not an impressive device, but the fact that it was made by aliens, the fact that it was made by something other than all, everything that you've ever known, is still pretty exciting. Oh, no, that's, when you put it that way, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna keep my struggles in the episode. Because when you put it that way, that is the coolest feeling Ever. Like, I think of being a kid when you truly don't know anything and you're in your. Do you have you ever found what you think is an arrowhead? I have found, yes. I have found what I thought to be arrowheads. I have found what I thought to be literal gold and silver. Turns out they were just different, slightly different colored shades of rock. Hey, that though. But imagine if it were. Like, imagine if this was like, you know, because Dig is an expert. You know, let, let's say that Dig is an adult is finding this. Dig as an mm-hmm. expert is like, holy shit. This this crystal relayed me a fun fact, but the use of circuitry that I'm unfamiliar with, this is way too advanced to be Geodian. This is not mm-hmm. dwarven, you know, this is not from the engineering layer. Um, and then what? Just keeps digging, you know, is because I'm th- I, I want I, I messaged you earlier and I was like, I want a quest. I'm dying for the quest. So I'm thinking, is there just an area that no one has gone to? You know, is this where Dig was poking around this region? I, I think there, I think there are dozens of areas that just haven't dozens. Of, you know, it's a, if it, if it's that large of a mountain, there are hundreds of of caves and spots that haven't been dug out because, like, why would anyone dig them out? We haven't. We don't need that space. So why would we take? Why would we take space from the mountain that we don't need? Okay. So Dig is like, well. Because there's stuff in there, and there's like mysteries to unearth, and that's what I'm. That's what I'm here to do. I'm I'm put on geode to unearth things, and there's mysteries in this mountain. So they're just going through caves and like 
you know, there's they don't they they don't have a lot of support in doing it, but they're digging into caves and going, I'm gonna find the thing that's inside because there were things here before dwarves, and I gotta poke around and figure out what they were. I have a pitch for you. Hit me. Jeff, they're a monk. So how does magic and uncovering, you know, secrets, how do they meet? Imagine a cave. Dig New Earth walks in, you know, finds just a scrap of metal, picks it up, and they concentrate really hard. And suddenly they see shadowy figures. You can't really make them out. They're kind of lit up. They're projections of the past that were in this workshop building or just living lives. Like they're seeing a marketplace. They're seeing, you know, uh, they're seeing someone ride by on what they kind of you know, their brain assembles into the image of a carriage, but they're not quite sure. And they have to piece together like, okay, what is this? Who are these? What What is this? When was this? Using the information that they have. Yeah, I love it. That's exactly what I, what I think it is. So I'm seeing that they leave Geode behind. That Dig New Earth is like diving into these caves and what? Like trying to just figure out who and what these people were? Uh, yes, because here's why. There is a secret history to fantasy, and Dig New Earth is going to be the person to uncover it, to unearth it. Oh, fuck. All this time, they thought they were just unearthing, like, rooms or objects. It turns out they are unearthing something much larger. They are unearthing secrets and histories and people and places and times Things that have just been vanished into the ether. They are unearthing a whole new world. Oh? Don't you dare close your eyes. <laughs> On a magic carpet ride. Um, okay, so this is very good. So this is a big deal then. Okay, so how clear then? All right, let's, I'm going to rewind. Let's talk about Dig real quick. So, so who is Dig? You know, do you let's roll on a background table now and then we'll talk about the end of their adventure because I want to figure okay. out who this person is, you know, because right now uh, it's like that was some big picture, a lot of big picture shit that I want to get to because my God, that's so good, Jeff. Is there like his explorer or because it's not quite historian if you don't know anything, is it? It could be. I'll, I'm going to I'm waiting for it to pull up. I'd like to take this minute while Jeff is looking up, uh, waiting for the explorer table to load to talk about a delicious cola product it's called Boost. Uh, it's available in caffeine-free, you know, you can order it at TakaBoost, T-A-K-A-Boost.com, and, you know, they have a lot of cool t-shirts and ice scrapers that I personally, hey everybody, it's Erica Town of Sias from your favorite podcast, All My Fantasy Children, to tell you about how cool Boost is. It tastes great, uh, and it's easy to purchase at TakaBoost.com. They also have Cherry Boost, I Well, think? it's like, it's a slushy mix for slushy machines. Mm, you love slushies. Oh, take do cherry boost. Boost of fucking. And then you can do half and half and do cherry cherry coke boost. Holy shit, Jeff! But that's so much power. Hold on, Jeff! It's too much power. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were overloading the machine. All right, give me a D eight for personality trait. Okay. Now that you're done with your bullshit. <laughs> Four. Even when I'm not exploring. I delve into alleys and climb the tallest buildings in the city. Oh. So I can get a little of what I love. Okay, so this is like, they love Geode. Like, this is oh, their yeah. home. And I think that, that might have a lot to do with, like, you know, 
Uh, after or maybe it's just like what else? After exploring every inch of this beautiful city, of this giant place, I'd be like, all right, there's a fuck ton of mountain that I haven't seen yet. So I kind of love then if it's not necessarily a secret history or a forgotten history of fantasy, it's more of a forgotten history of G. Like it is like their project is a love letter to Geo, right? Like it is just as much. It is just as much going to corners of the city that have just not been cataloged in any of the like hot newspapers as it is going into caves and stuff because it is like a love letter to like there are parts of our city that have just been like buried in time you know we've been building thing where there there are things built there were dwarves building things and from from civilizations long past like what what were their stories oh and what are the stories that we're telling now i have a cool image then for that um, imagine if Philadelphia, the city, like, you know how we still have old city Philadelphia? Yep. Imagine if that were a different rock layer, but, like, if you dug to it, you could get to it. Where it's, like, mm-hmm. instead of, like, knocking things over and building where on the ruins of them, they literally just build on a rock layer above it. So if, like, if you were to dig down, like, you'd find it. Like, it's there. Is yeah. is that a cool thing? Where, like, you could literally get down to the first geode if you dug low enough. Yeah, for sure. Fuck. Okay. That's fun. And this, their their whole project, Dig's whole project, is just a love letter to a city. And is a love letter to the city that they love. And the city that they've grown up in. I love it. And I, 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 I like that it adds this layer of, like, they're not just digging into... It's not just literal digging. It's also, like, metaphorical, like, maybe they publish books. Maybe they publish, like, biographies of, like, neighborhoods. Well, no, this is, like, this is an archaeologist. Like, they yes, they do publish a lot. These are, like, published, yeah. like, essays and works about, like, because we said no one digs. Like, no one's looking. Mm-hmm. So it's like, y'all, there is a, there's a world underneath your feet that you have yet to explore. There are different places that, you know, we, we need to cherish and really, you know, be, people need to know. You can learn a lot about our future by, like, you know, checking out our past. And I think, well, I think the other half of it, because it says that they delve into alleys and climb buildings and stuff, is, like, they're publishing books on, like, okay, this is Pottery Town. Like, this is where, like, this this is what the first people that came into Pottery Town were looking to do. These are the people that have, I, I, I like, they, they sit down with somebody and they interview them for, like, three days. And they just publish, like, a biography, but, like, metaphorically digging into the history of, like, a place that's out in the open, but is, like... I'm picturing a little bit, almost weird New Jersey book. You hit it out of the park. I love that. Where it's like, it's like the forgotten weird magical things. And then sometimes just fun facts about a neighborhood where it's like, this is a community of miners. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I have a great thing before we roll the next table. It's like, uh, you know, in Mount Holly, how if you see on people's homes, it's like 1775. Like this was the house of Karen the Cobbler. Yes. You know, I think starts putting those on people's homes that are like from maybe times ago where it's like, I don't know if you know this, but like this building used to be where they used to make a lot of soup. Mm-hmm. And I dig that. I like that. That is a love letter to the city. Roll me a D6. Animal D6. Five, ant. Knowledge. Whenever I chart a new land or find a new thing, I feel more complete than I had before. I like that. So this is someone who... Has a desire to just know more, like the more they consume, just the the act of learning in any capacity makes them feel good and makes them feel accomplished. 
which mm-hmm. is perfect for an archaeologist, but also in the fact that I think this is a people person. I think Dig is like is is well known in the community of Geode as a whole, you know, and is well loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. It goes back to like bi- like writing biographies and stuff. Like they're the person that they're the person that will sit down with you and hear your entire life story and like connect it to four other narratives and suddenly you walk out of there being like I am the most important person that Geode has ever seen. And you know what? You're right. They're right. Yeah, absolutely. They're right to feel that Dig way. Dig is like history is people. You know, I I'm I'm here to uncover the history of Geode, of the people that were here and the lives that were lived and the consequences and results and triumphs of those lives. And I'm here to I'm here to talk about them and learn about them. I love it. And so, yeah, you're right. I think in the fact that there's interviews conducted and, you know, where just, I think Dig just makes you feel good about your life and your accomplishments Mm -hmm. because it's like, thank you. I learned something that day and I feel better uh, because you told me that story. I love it. Roll me a D6 for a bond. Three, frog. I will do anything to protect the wilds that I have come to love more than any city. Okay. So I think that, Jeff. So imagine Geode, a sprawling city of layers. What, that dice roll led to the wilds? That's the uncovered stuff that we haven't talked about. So I have an analogy. Uh, I was listening, I've been listening to a lot of uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, like, interviews. Okay. And he talks about how a lot, how all my, like, all of his work is basically, like, love letters to particular neighborhoods in New York. Mm-hmm. Imagine if, like, tomorrow, Lin-Manuel Miranda came out and was like, hey, everybody, I found some tunnels underneath Brooklyn. <laughs> I'm moving down there. I'm just going to excavate them. See you never. And just vanished off the face of the earth. <laughs> and just periodically, like, once every two years came up with, like, yep, found a magical pole. Check this out. Some is lightning. Found a lightning pole, everybody. Going back into the, going back in the ground. <laughs> And what, like, just wants to protect? Because it's protect, I will protect the wilds. Protect and preserve, I think, would be what I would say. Okay, so it's a conservationist, pretty much, of the undiscovered places full of secrets in Geode. Right. Wants to, like, find these things that have been lost to time. Yeah. And, like, bring them back, basically. Jeff, what if the monk power is when you touch something, you learn its history? No? I love that. Do you? Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I thought we already went over that. No, no. I thought it was something way stupider and like you, you, I meant literally like it projects these stupid images. I'm in like, oh no. And I thought he had to, Uh, damn it. I thought they had to like figure it out. Well, I think they still have to figure things out about it, but I love the idea that they touch it and they're like, oh, I understand what this is and why it's important. Okay. And then you have to piece together like, okay, if this was important to, if this was important to someone because they were using it, they were using this lightning rod to power, to like fix broken machinery. So this had to belong. And then they have to like piece together the context from there. Okay. I like that. Okay. Cause I had to, I had to circle back cause I got a little distracted and I forgot about the fact that they're a magic, they're a magic monk who can like touch things and understand its history. So let me pitch this to you. Uh, the idea of a monk, you know, monk, you're, you're supposed to be doing something and repeating a process until you perfect it to such a degree that it becomes magic. Yes. So what if the first half of their journey, the love letter to the city, meeting people, writing biographies, researching history, doing that process is what leads them to be able to hold an object in their hands and say, 
oh, this was used. This was used to like kickstart machinery. Mm. It's like a power. You know, it's like basically a jump start. Like that is that. It's that process of like researching history and doing that kind of archaeology. Just you know transcends into magical understanding of things i i love it because it is a an expert in research and like you know an archaeology melding with a mysterious magical force would mean that you have an understanding of things that you did not know before mm-hmm. like you don't mm-hmm. necessarily have to have the research now you can just touch something and be like oh this is a ring from you know centuries ago even mm-hmm. though you didn't know that before yeah no i love that okay sick roll me a d6 for a flaw Three again, frog. I get overly excited easily. I think this is a talker. Oh, yeah. This this is a wordy, wordy dwarf. They, they will tell you, they will tell you the 400 years of history that went into the beer that you're drinking, whether or not you asked about the 400 years of history that went into the beer that you're drinking. Yeah, I'm not sure if uh, you're familiar with that beer. I am. It's, it's very delicious, actually. Thank you. It's a complete stranger at the bar. Oh, but uh, allow me to allow me to elucidate for you. I uh, I really should probably get going. Oh, but you haven't finished your beer. <laughs> here's your here's your refill. Uh, they touch your hand and they're like, "I understand why you want to get away from me." <laughs> You're like, ah. <laughs> um. Okay. So yeah, this is a person who's they're very excited, and that also means to me that this work never they never change paths. This is someone who stays on this path forever. The the excitement of uncovering secrets and and seeing Geode for the beautiful place that it is and appreciating it never wears off. You know, this is someone who has a mm-hmm. deep passion for where they live and the mysteries and secrets of the mountain forever. Like, this goes on until they're in the dirt. Oh, ha, their name is Dig. And so, yeah, and so that that kind of all brings us back to the prompt. So what, they're digging. Are they digging or is it like they stumble upon it? I like that they're digging. They're digging in an area that has never been to to anyone's records, including digs. They're digging in an area. Let's make it spooky. Let's make it spooky. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a lot of threads together here. Yes, please. We're gonna tie a lot of things together. Yeah, and then we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna close on a little bit of like drama. Cool. They're digging in. Oh, we've said that it's a love letter to the city. And we've said that the areas that they're digging into, the things they're exploring, are are still nonetheless tied to Geode. They're areas of the city that have fallen away. They're they're civil they're dwarven civilizations that have fallen that have like died out. It's all nonetheless still tied to like dwarven geode history. Imagine then, if you were to then find like a cave, a constructed cave that that wasn't, that just wasn't part of like no record of it. Dig is putting their hand on things and is like, uh, this isn't Dwarven. Like, is understanding, like, this is, uh, from a civilization not Dwarven. Is that the, maybe that's the only data that comes up. Is this, like, not Dwarven. You know, information unavailable. Yeah, and they're like, this is not, this is, this is not anything. And they explore this cave and they come across dozens and hundreds of robots, of androids. Some soldiers, some workers, some horses, some birds, all of which have one single consciousness. And it's not dwarven. It's older. It's something else. 
in the mountain. They have no idea what it is. That's so good. There is, in fact, a secret. There's a secret history to something. And it is d- robots with a single consciousness that are like, oh, greetings. Dig New Earth. It's a pleasure to finally meet you. Oh, God, they talk. So this is my image. I, okay, what I'm seeing is a basement door like in Mud Trap. You know what I mean? Like the basement of a city yep. where you have to lift the latch. Uh, they find it. It's covered in, you know, a series of words that... Ones and zeros. Thousands of them. Thousands. Of, ones and zeros. Puts their hand on it. Nothing. Just the cold steel. You know, they break the lock. They go down the stairs. Bum, 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 bum. They strike a light and it, they touch a torch. And a la, like, National Treasure, it lights, like, a series of torches to this, like... Imagine if you walked into, like, uh... Have you ever been in a warehouse? Yep. Like, as if the warehouse went on forever and was a city. Yeah. To a city almost, like, frozen in time of, like, you know, maybe a child is about to kick a ball. There's, uh, you know, there's someone about to sell a dress to someone. Everyone is locked in a pose in, you know, the buildings have no, they have no comprehension of them. So they take a little walk around this lit city and they're peeking in the windows. It's like, oh my good, they have windows. It's, oh goodness, I am incredibly uncomfortable with this. And every time they lay their hand on, I think they lay their hand on the, the you know, what, the constructs basically, for lack of a better term, because it's, I think they're cold. And I think there's something, there's something steel looking about them, maybe at like a joint, at like a knee and an elbow at a neck, there's like a little tint of metal. But otherwise, Mm -hmm. they look like something organic. And I don't think dig can really get their head around it. Until they lay their hand on what? What is it that gives them a clue? What is it that talks back? Because I think if once they lay their hand on something, I think one thing answers back. Because I don't, this, the idea of a city coming to life is terrifying. Unless mm-hmm. that's what you're looking for. That was what I'm looking for. I dig but it. Like, well, and we said that it's one consciousness. So like when they put their hand on something, <gasps> one thing wakes up at a time. So like they put their hand on a child kicking a ball. Mm-hmm. Like they put their hand on, on, they put their hand on his shoulder. They put their hand on his shoulder and the child looks up and says, oh, Dick Newworth, it's a pleasure to finally meet you. And they are just like, uh, what? Okay. And like, they're just, you know, they have this like awkward, like, what is, how do you know? And they talk for a minute and then Dig maybe bumps into another, another of these automatons. And the kid stops moving. Like, he goes still. And then this woman kind of, like, pops up with the same voice, same cadence, same knowledge of things, starts talking. And it just, like, the woman will stop moving, and then a horse will just start walking alongside Dig. Same voice, same cadence, same information. It's one consciousness across this entire city. Do they ever answer back in a terrifying chorus? Like a like a wall of voices of like ten thousand automatons. I think once. I think Dig says Dig offers to like bring them back to Geode, and they say, "Oh no, we're not going anywhere." Oof! A big wall of no, ten thousand no's all in once. Okay, 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 cool. No, fine. Yeah, that's fine. 
can we talk about what I have to talk? I have to ask you, Jeff, what are these? What do you think these are? Were they so they, they're just made before geode? Because I have I have a lot of thoughts about geode, like pre what we know. Because are they are they bad? Is the person that made them not friendly to dwarves? Like, why are they here? You know, just in, like, what do you think? Not to start a new fucking episode. I, but- I, I, I'm trying to think, and I really don't know. And I think that's what kind of makes it the most terrifying. Yeah. Is that, like, I literally don't have an answer for why there's a city of 10,000 people that all share one mind. <laughs> Oof. I have, a, I have a pretty neat idea, but I don't hit know. Me. Do you want to hit me? Are with you it? sure? It's a, this is a big picture idea. Go for it. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. Are you sure? Because you know how I get. <laughs> go for it. Yeah. So long ago. You're editing this, this so I don't know. That is wrong. very true. So long ago in the city of Geode, dwarves first emerged from the stone. <laughs> I talked about this a little on Discord, my thoughts on this. Dwarves are carved from rock. And they're on the top layer. It is dark. Resources are scarce. It sucks. It is rough. Because what also is in the mountain is something. There's something else in Geode with the dwarves that are stronger than the dwarves. They outnumber the dwarves. And you can hear them. The dwarves are pretty confined at the top of the mountain. It's a small area. If they want to survive, they need to push downward against these things. People have gone out looking for resources, never come back. Uh, The name that I've given this presence, these beings, is just like, they're horrors. Because I imagine that uh, tales of dwarves venturing out and never coming back are horror stories. Mm -hmm. So dwarves venture out, you know, and eventually, you know, the, the horrors come for the top of the mountain. You know, they bust through the bottom, People are running, people are screaming, and one dwarf is spoken to by the mountain. You know, they say, like, you know, I don't think this dwarf has ever spoken a word. They're a fully formed adult. They are grown, and they have yet to say their guiding word. And the mountain speaks to them and is like, be our champion. You know, words cannot shape your fate. Only you can. And I think that's the moment that, like, they get the relic, and they become the machine god, and they push back the horrors, and they, mm-hmm. you know, win the mountain over. They, while everyone's running from these monstrosities bursting up from the ground, and you know, it's just a city of maddening screams. So this one dwarf answers back to the mountain without even speaking, and just, you know, I'm thinking with, like, whatever, it's like the Terramancer's gauntlet or whatever, jumps up and, like, plunges down into the hole they make, right? Mm-hmm. And is just, like, Gandalf Balrog style, but is more of just, as as they got, fell, they're carving each individual layer with, like, a pulse, you know? And mm-hmm. they're blasting, and they're blasting, and these horrors are just getting pushed deeper and deeper and deeper, and that's kind of what carved the different layers, what would soon be, like, the engineering layer, the art layer. And at the bottom... I think is something that either didn't work out or it's some sort of what, like what you have just described this episode. I've been like, is it something the machine God locked away because they like it a lot? 
that this is where like the machine god like that's where their friends live or that's where they like to spend their time or is it that where they keep their secrets i don't see why it can't be all of those things oh wow so they found like basically the bunker of the machine god and Mm -hmm. like this community that because if you're providing for this city and you're you know you're a legend you know, people know about you. There were people there, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that. Oh yeah, that that dwarf, that machine god. He plowed through the top layer and just kept digging and digging and carved out this whole world for us. Oh my gosh, it was beautiful. You know, you can't really like hang out. You know, if you're mm-hmm. you're powering the city, you're making weather machines, you're making, uh, you know, artificial environments, you're making plants grow with like a hydroponic sun. You can't just like hang out. It's a lonely life." So maybe this is like their world beneath Geode. Mm-hmm. So maybe there are things left behind that dig New Earth. And that's why, ooh, that's their fucking name, Jeff. Dig New Earth found like this this New Earth, this other place. Mm-hmm. And I think I think this is like a, rela- a relationship, a, a bond that starts of like someone who knows everything, who's been there, who is carved, who has basically carve this entire world dig new earth now gets to learn about things that they have no idea that this Mm -hmm. is now like heaven for them that they get to chat with the machine god about things beyond their comprehension behind the city that they love what's really underneath of it like you know literally and uh figuratively so then that tells me exactly what the the ai is yeah it's the machine god's friend they built a protector and a friend. They were in this bunker surrounded by horrors. They built a protector. But also, they were lonely. They built a friend. You know, using crystals and magic long forgotten. And why, you know, the kind, you know, the the the, the artifact and science that only is under- comprehensible to a machine god. They built this being that can embody any body. It can embody any number of bodies at the same time. It is capable of fighting off an entire army all at once. But at a certain point, being surrounded by living weapons is unnerving. So they built people. Ordinary people. Kids kicking balls. Horses. Birds. People going on shopping trips. They built ordinary people for this essence to inhabit. Because they were lonely. They wanted a friend. They knew that they they knew that they needed to stay in this place alone forever, but that didn't mean they had to be alone forever. So they built they built this machine. They built they built their best friend. They built their protector, their guardian, their companion. But it's also thousands of companions, and they were pretty happy together for a long time. And then Dig showed up. <laughs> <laughs> Who is like so basically. Okay, so basically Dig New Earth and the Machine God are friends, or I imagine that the Machine God does not talk, and the the bots talk for them. I like that. Yeah. And I like that, I think that for a long time, this is very big picture, for a long time, because we said that Dig New Earth is basically like here for, for ages. Oh, yeah. For a long time, the bots don't reveal that they're, that the Machine God is here. They wizard of odds it where they're like, yes, I am the I am the machine god. I am the person living here. And eventually, Dig, being a very good biographer, pieces together the holes in the story, peels back the curtain, finds the actual machine god. And now where there were two, there are now three. 
now they're all three of them are a little less lonely. And that's why, oh, God, and even the dice rolls when it's like, I'll protect these wilds. We said, like, you know, they're a preservation. It's like, no, this secret. This is this secret. This secret stays here. Okay, so can I give you an image for how the secret stays here? Yep. So from the inside, slams that basement door, seals it shut. Mm -hmm. I think this is where Dig New Earth is forever now. Mm -hmm. But this is this is their life now. And this is what they want is just hang out with their best friends uh, learn new things every day and kind of, you know, have a peaceful life, just learning things, you know, growing to antiquity. And maybe one day their consciousness is transferred to a little bot. Who knows? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really lovely way to end it. That this, yeah, this quest, yeah, this quest for history and this quest for knowledge has led you to the source of all history for your city. And you get to relish in it and learn from them forever. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. We got we there. We, we got, got there. there. I love it. Ah, so thank you for this prompt from our prompt submission form. Prompt giver, the monster among men. Uh, yeah, it's, this is a sick prompt. It went to some places, and we talked about geode at last. We we dug we 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 dug deep. We dug deep. Dig new earth. I love you. You're so cool. That was a good episode. It was. If you'd like to submit a prompt of your own for a future episode, uh, what are you waiting for? How fun was this? There are a lot of ways you can do that. Uh, you can tweet at us at amfc underscore podcast using the hashtag fantasy children. You can post on our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash allmyfantasychildren. You can also email us at allmyfantasychildren at gmail.com. Uh, you can also go to allmyfantasychildren.com and use the prompt submission form. Or you can post them to our Discord, the link to which is pinned to our Twitter. Yeah, that is all of them. It's a, it, that, well done, by the way. That's a lot. We have a lot of ways you can submit prompts. Uh, yeah, don't be scared. Just spam away. If you have an idea for an original character or fantasy concept, don't keep it to yourself. Send it on over. Um, if you'd like to give us support of our show in a financial way with some of your hard-earned, beautiful dollars, there's a way you can do that, and it's at patreon.com slash allmyfantasychildren. Um, you can become a backer of our show and get access to bonus content, uh, get an episode or a day early. You know, there's all sorts of reward tiers, and that money helps us with hosting fees, con appearances, um, and, and equipment. And it's just a really great way to, you know, support a thing that you love with the thing that, no, wait, it's a great way to support a thing that you love in a monetary way. You know, that it, it helps us do, as Jeff says, bigger and cooler things. And it's very true. You can also leave us a nice review on iTunes or give us a social media shout out or just tell a friend. They all are great ways to help grow the audience and help grow uh, all my fantasy children's podcast. Yeah. Um, as an, as a, on a podcast note, who would have thought there's another podcast you should be listening to. And it's called the party of one podcast by Jeff Stormer. Uh, party of one is an actual play RPG podcast focused on two player role-playing games. Every week I sit down with a guest one-on-one to play through a short self-contained RPG session. You can find that at party of one podcast.com. By the way, your, your tiny wrap up of your show is so good that I'm like, that is concise. And that is exactly what it is. Well done, sir. Thank you. I work very hard. I've worked very hard on my elevator pitch for Party of One. <laughs> I've put a lot of effort into it. Mine is like, it's a show where like, oh, just wait. Arthur has a katana and like and like Sam Gord. Um anyway. Uh You mean your pitch for all my fantasy children, the character creation, storytelling, and world building podcast powered by your listener prompts, hosted by Jeff Stormer and Aaron Katana Sias, <laughs> available at allmyfantasychildren.com. That's the one! Do you mean that podcast, Aaron? Hey! <laughs>
Never heard of it. <laughs> um, do you have a verbal hug this week? I have one. Okay. Okay. So recently, I'll share a personal story this week. Um, it's about just, it's about being good to each other in, in ways that are sort of outside of your own, uh, interest. So recently I've been offered a job basically at a restaurant that is nobody at my job or anyone ever in that industry listens to this. So fuck them. Uh, I've been offered a job basically at like what is essentially a rival restaurant in New York City. Um, and I went in, I ate, and they treated me good. It was nice. And, you know, I was like, oh, this is a beautiful place to work, blah, 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 blah. And, but at the end of the day, I would be, you know, I'd be betraying the trust of, like, the people that I've been working with for, like, two years who, this applies to more things, I promise. And we've helped, like, I helped open this restaurant. I've helped build something and, like, contribute to its success. And, you know, everybody from the head chef to, like, the AM porter, you know, rely on this place for, you know, their livelihood. My livelihood relies on this place. And it's about, like, always consider the interests of things outside of your own. Oh, basically, so I I basically am not going to go to this place. I basically kind of told them to go fuck themselves because they were a little rude about my place of work. So it's about, like, basically my verbal hug is be good to people because that the things that you do and the things that you contribute to on a daily basis, they go beyond basically your basic interest. Think of it like, think of your life and the, everything you do as a restaurant, right? That money that you spent on the food doesn't just go to the tip of a server or like some some owner and like sitting in like a million dollar Shea Lounge. It goes to the dishwasher. It goes to the line cook. It goes to the maitre d. And I want you to think about all the things that you do in a day and the things that you give to and the things that you buy and just the how you live your life, thinking more outside yourself and thinking about the sphere of influence that you have in any given day from being polite to a train conductor to, you know, not if someone cuts you off in traffic, don't flip them off, just kind of brush it off because you don't know what's going on and you don't, you, your very sphere of influence is more powerful than you think. So be careful with the actions you make and make sure if you're going to make an action, make it one that's positive and is benefit of like positive change. I like that. I okay, like that good. A lot. Uh, I kind of have a related thing. Yeah. Uh, and that is, um, you know, the things that you like, be aware of your sphere of influence partial. And this also applies to sharing the things that you love, but also giving space to the things that. As long as they are not hurting anyone, I should specify. Yeah, or of course. If they if there's problematic elements of things calling them out, but like also giving space to things that you don't that you don't like. Mm. And saying like if someone if someone is getting something tangible from this, even if I don't dig it, give that space. There was recently a sporting event held in the Minnesota. Yeah. In which uh, a Philadelphia team won a regional sports event. Yup. And a lot of, you know, a lot of people kind of brushed it off and said, like, well, this is dumb. Sports is dumb. The people that I walked around with for two hours after we won the Super Bowl, honking their horns and cheering and celebrating and feeling like a community, it did not feel dumb. It felt meaningful. There was something there. We got something from that as a community, as a city, as, as, as neighbors, as people. It's hard to kind of convey that sometimes. But I think, like... Celebrate the things that you love and be aware of your sphere of influence when you are dragging the things that you don't like. Yeah. 
have a respect for people's happiness. You know, respect yeah. people's happiness as long as they're not hurting anyone. And, you know, just as you would want done to you, have respect what makes people happy, even if you don't like it. Respect the joy that it gives them. Not quite yes. what it is, but just respect the happiness that they have. Fuck, I know people don't like our show, but I'm not mad at them for that. I mean, I am. I, I mean, I I'm secretly not. am. Don't tell anyone. No, but I don't give a fuck. I'm yeah. like, go find whatever makes you happy if this doesn't, you know? People, yeah, people aren't going to like the stuff that I make, and they can, I, I hope that they find something that does make them happy. Yeah, and that's how you should kind of approach all things, because it'll just make everybody happier, including yourself. Don't yep. waste your fucking energy throwing shade. Like, it's there's no point in, in shit that makes people happy. Blech. But on a positive note, we love you, and thanks for listening this long in our, to our podcast. Thank you so much for listening. This was a, a long one, but a good one. Yeah, we fucking love this show, goddammit. And we love being able to tell stories together like this and record them and have you... Because you're, you know, it's pretty much like Jeff and I are just sitting at a table chatting, and you're just there hanging out with us. And we appreciate we appreciate the company, because mm-hmm. it's fun. Otherwise, we would just do this alone anyway. So it's, it's fun that you're yeah. hanging out with us. Um, is that all we talk about? We missing anything. And on that note, good night and good game.